you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. It's Monday, September 11th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. And Florio, now that we've got a full Sunday under our belts, and we are off to Monday. What are you more concerned about? Is it those fantasy teams that maybe didn't live up to expectations, or is it this Bills-Jets game? Bills-Jets game, easily. Look, there's a whole, there's 16 more weeks to worry about fantasy wins and losses. Right now, week one, I'm just trying to enjoy that football is back. We are happy that football is back. We had a game on Thursday night, and we had a slew of games on Sunday. We'll talk about those uh, and kind of, uh, you know, try to dissect what happened over the weekend. Lots of things to come on this show. We are having things not to overreact to from week one. We got some top performers, the biggest disappointments, and we'll play a little bit of real or mirage after what we saw in this first Sunday of the season. But let's get started with some fantasy headlines and a really unfortunate one to begin the day. Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins suffered a torn Achilles in Baltimore's win over the Houston Texans. The team feared that it was a torn Achilles. It has been confirmed via an MRI on Monday morning. So it would appear that J.K. Dobbins' season is done. Although, Florio, you saw a tweet from our own Tom Pelissero saying he may try and hurry back to see if he can come back for the rest of the season if he can do a six-month sort of return a la Cam Akers. Seems like a bad idea to me, but hey... I'm not going to stop him from trying to do it. He's not going to listen to me. Right. He's definitely <laughs> not going to listen to any of us. I mean, this is obviously an unfortunate injury for a guy who also suffered a major knee injury not that long ago. You do wonder long-term about what this means for his career. It's really an unfortunate uh, situation for J.K. Dobbins. For the Ravens now and for us in fantasy, I mean, yesterday we saw a lot of Justice Hill. Gus Edwards is still there. Is there one guy that you were sort of willing to throw your chips in with for fantasy for the rest of the season? No, not one that I'm like <laughs> bullish on, uh, going to go heavy on like fab or anything. But I, I do think they're both names that you should be picking up off the waiver wire this week. Uh, if I had to pick, I'm going to go with Gus Edwards. I know Justice Hill is going to get more love because he had the two touchdowns. Uh, he also played a little bit more snaps, 29% to 22%. They both had eight carries. Neither one had a target. But... Justice Hill turned his eight carries into nine yards. Gus Edwards was 32. Uh, I just can't quit Gus Edwards. And I was saying this coming into the year. I know you were as well, Marcus. I was like, I know everyone loves J.K. Dobbins. But can I interest you in discount J.K. Dobbins mm -hmm. 10 rounds later in Gus Edwards? Because when you compare their stats, they're, they're almost like the pointing Spider-Man yeah. meme. The only thing is J.K. Dobbins, a little bit more explosive. He, Gus Edwards can break big runs, but he's not going to break an 80-yard run or something like that. But I also would not be surprised if we see Melgo. He, he's there. Uh, I forgot about and, that. And I keep <sighs> I keep I was talk, talking to some friends yesterday and I was like, Kareem Hunt just feels like a Raven player. Like that might happen mm -hmm. at some point. So 
I, I'm in on Gus Edwards the most, but again, this is more like tampered expectations. I was drafting Gus Edwards. We talked about this because we liked the ADP for him. And so in those situations, I already feel like I've got, uh, you know, a, a an option. But I do think the Ravens are going to use multiple backs. I think what's really frustrating about the Dobbins injury is because yesterday, if you look before he got hurt, they were primarily using him. And you wonder whether or not Todd Munkin was going to change the culture in terms of how they use running backs in Baltimore. If they were going to be more of a one back team, I think with Dobbins out of the picture, though, it's going to be a combination of Gus Edwards, going to be a combination of Justice Hill. And let's not obviously forget Lamar Jackson, who's going to run the football as well. So I think we've gone from potentially having one back we can trust in Baltimore to a couple of guys to sort of rotate. And we'll see how effective they are. The offense yesterday was not great no. against the Texans. We'll see if they get better. And the Texans were the worst run defense in football all yeah. of last season. So to me, this is a situation where you pick them up off the waiver wire, but I would not be starting them next week. I don't have that confidence. I also wonder, though, if Houston was the – if that's the D'Amico Ryans effect now that he's taken over there in Houston. We'll see. Uh, an injury for the Pittsburgh Steelers and what was generally a rough day for the Steelers' offense. Deontay Johnson left that game with a hamstring injury. Now, as of us doing this show, we don't know what the update is, how serious it might be. Obviously, George Pickens is already going to be on the field. He's going to get snaps. He's going to get targets. Calvin Austin saw a lot of work. Do you have any interest in Austin if Johnson misses time? Or uh, does what we saw out of the Steelers' offense yesterday make you worried all around? It, it does have me worried, partially because I wasn't very high on the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense coming into this year. Look, I wasn't a big Pickett fan in his draft. I, I wasn't a Pickett fan even after his strong preseason. I need to see it on the field first in real games. That being said, they played the 49ers, who are arguably the best defense in football. But next week, they get the Cleveland Browns, who just shut down <laughs> Joe yeah. Burrow and the Bengals offense. I'm not... Calvin Austin was a player I liked when he was coming into the draft last year, but more for real-life purposes than fantasy. Um, I think it's George Pickens or Bust kind of, if Deontay Johnson misses time. That being said, Allen Robinson led them in every single category mm -hmm. as a receiver this week. If he does it again next week, I could be convinced to, to take a waiver wire flyer. On that Allen would be Robinson. something, right? If we get the Allen, Robin, Allen Robinson resurrection when we least expected it. I mean, you know, last year, Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback he's ever played with, and he did nothing. So it would be something if somehow <laughs> Kenny Pickett is the one who brings him back to life. We are going to keep our emotions in check, right? Because that's what you do after week one, allegedly. Of course, everybody on Twitter is freaking out because either – uh, you know, a guy went off that you expected him to and you're taking a victory lap or things went sideways and now you're sort of left picking up the pieces and trying to figure out why things went badly. So we've got six things, three apiece, that we are not overreacting to after week one. Florio, the first one, I don't, I, I'm not surprised to see this name show up on the list, but what is the first thing that you are not overreacting to from this week? I'm not overreacting to Thursday night's game. And I understand that it is a island game, kickoff game. Everyone was watching. Kadarius Tony and Jameer Gibbs, people were treating them like the sky was falling. And look, <laughs> I tweeted it. I was wrong for telling people to start Kadarius Tony. He had his worst game as a pro in a game with the most eyeballs on it. But that being said, he played just 26% of the snaps, led this team in targets. He had a 50% target rate, which means half the routes he ran, he was targeted on. He had a goal line carry. If he catches the ball or scores a touchdown there, we're talking about Kadarius Tony in a completely different light. I mean, you were talking about it before the show. I think he got in his own head. As for Jameer Gibbs, let your eyes be the judge here. He looked 
so much better than David Montgomery. He made David Montgomery look like a plotter. And Dan Campbell came out after and was like, we wanted to ease him in. He's going to get more work moving forward. He is so explosive. And what I loved even more, he was physical. The contact balance at the point of contact was insane. I, I think Jameer Gibbs still brings league winning upside. And I still think Kadarius Tony is the wide receiver one you want to own on the Chiefs. I feel great about him in comparison to Sky Moore, so I'm not overreacting to Thursday night's game. <laughs> the Chiefs wide receivers leave a lot to be desired. I don't think we learned much from week one. And Jameer Gibbs, I th what I saw from him on Thursday makes me really encouraged about what he's yep. going to be. I thought they were going to kind of ease him in, and we saw that. He still played really, really, really well. I am not overreacting to slow starts from a couple of top-level fantasy quarterbacks. We talked about the Ravens and what they did against Houston. It was not a big offensive performance. I think we were hoping, expecting that maybe they would come out and light it up and have a lot of fireworks, and they didn't. And afterwards, Lamar Jackson himself tweeted, we were rusty as bleep, but we got the win. And I think they understand that they need to be better, that they can be better. Probably didn't help that they didn't have Mark Andrews in week one as well. This offense is going to be okay over the long term. It just was a tough start against a D'Amico Ryans-led defense that I think is going to be better than people are going to give them credit for this year. And then there's Joe Burrow. Joey B went out and got paid just before the start of the regular season and then completely laid a dud against the Cleveland Browns. 82 passing yards. That was it for Joe Burrow. This is a one-off. I know that the Browns give the Bengals trouble. Uh, that, that Look, they were really re ready and willing to get after Joe Burrow a little bit. It was not a great game. If you drafted Joe Burrow and you started him, obviously you are smarting from what happened on Sunday. But do not panic. Don't start saying the sky is falling. Don't try to put him on the trade block or anything like that. Joe Burrow is going to be fine. Speaking of passing games, uh, there's one that you – are not panicked on right now? Yeah, I'm not panicking on the Seattle Seahawks passing attack yet. Look, I understand it looked brutal. Uh, so much so that DK Metcalf did just was like attacking Rams cornerbacks late Apparently, in that game. Apparently, right. Um, it was worse than any game Geno Smith had last season. And I know that can be concerning, but we saw a lot of quarterbacks, bigger names than Geno Smith, struggle in week one. <clears throat> the Rams know this seems very well. Geno Smith last year had one really good game against the Rams and one not-so-great game against the Rams. I also expect we'll see more three wide receiver sets as JSN gets healthier. They get the Lions in Week 2. If he struggles in Week 2, then maybe I'll reassess this passing attack. But to me, it feels like two teams that knew each other well. Aaron Donald was causing havoc all game. It's He's a very good player. Um, I'm not panicked yet on this. Although the thing that, that maybe we take away from that game is maybe the Rams aren't going to be as bad as they were last year. Yep. I think that's a, that's a takeaway from that game as well. In Philadelphia, we came into this season sort of wondering how the Eagles were going to use their running backs, and it was maybe not what people expected, starting from the fact that Rashad Penny was a healthy scratch, then seeing a lot of Kenneth Gainwell and maybe not so much DeAndre Swift. I'm not freaked out yet I'm not ready to pull the plug say on Rashad Penny but at the same time I am starting to sort of realize that maybe it is going to be the headache that we anticipated I don't think you can punt on any of the Eagles running backs that you have on your roster whether it's Swift or Penny uh, maybe if it's Kenny Gainwell you feel a little bit more encouraged but even that could be a week-to-week -week situation the worst case scenario is that Philadelphia decides to go with a hot hand situation, and then we're going to be left sort of wondering week to week who it's going to be. But I'm not willing to just give up 
on anybody in that backfield after what we saw in one game. In one game where, frankly, they were playing a good defense in New England, and they look like they still are trying to get themselves on track as well. All right, let's get this out of the way. Because you and I both feel the same way, so let's just, let's just put this out in the open right now with Kyle Pitts. I'm not worried about Kyle Pitts. Dot, 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 yet. Um, look, to me, the takeaway from this game was the Falcons, it was a close game throughout, but they, even when it was tied, like it felt like the Falcons had this game in hand. Bryce Young, unfortunately, made the same mistake twice, throwing the same interception. They, they were able to run all over the Carolina Panthers, and now I do think there will be other games like this where they're just running the ball successfully, playing with the lead, and it will be frustrating. But next week, they get the Packers, who just scored a whole boatload of points. Then they get the Lions, then the Jaguars. They are going to have to throw more in those games than the 16 times that they threw in this game. So Kyle Pitts still won downfield. He still led them in receiving yards. Maybe he doesn't have the huge season that a lot of us were anticipating, but I still think there's more good here with Kyle Pitts, and we're talking about a tight end. We so, are talking about a tight end. I am end. not giving up on a tight end with Kyle Pitts upside after one game this I season. am not giving up on it, but I will say that Arthur Smith is the worst coach for fantasy continues ever. to frustrate us and makes me a little bit worried and fantasy lives rent free in his head a, a reporter just asked about targets for drake london and his response was let the fantasy guys worry about that it's like well no you spent the high draft pick on this guy maybe you should use him in your you, passing game 10 three top 10 picks kyle pitts drake, uh drake london Bijan robinson let's give the ball to the six round picks on our team what are we doing here? what are we doing arthur smith who knows uh Michael Pittman had a really big day for Indianapolis. Had one long catch and run for a touchdown. 97 yards on eight catches. I think it's wonderful. I don't think you can count on this every week. Don't suddenly look at what happened on Sunday against Jacksonville and say, hey, look, maybe Michael Pittman is a wide receiver one this year. I don't believe that's going to be the case. You look at the touchdown. It was a short throw that he took the rest of the way. This is not going to be a high-flying passing game. It was great to see Anthony Richardson have a really big day. We'll probably talk about that a little later in the show. But don't suddenly believe that maybe we got it wrong on Michael Pittman. Hopefully there are more days like this coming, but I don't think they're going to be frequent. So it was nice if you started Michael Pittman. Congrats. Um, but I don't think this over the long haul changes how we feel about the Indianapolis passing game. I just don't. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Taking a look at the top performers for week one, heading into Monday night. To Tonga Vailoa, your top quarterback, 466 passing yards, three touchdowns against the Chargers, just over 27 fantasy points there. Aaron Jones had himself a day, two total touchdowns, 127 total yards, 26.7 fantasy points. He even left that game early with a little bit of a tweaked hamstring. He says he could have come back to play, so maybe nothing to really worry about. Tyreek Hill continues to just eat 11 catches 215 yards two touchdowns 44 and a half fantasy points hunter henry your top tight end in a week that featured a lot of 
tight ends who were missing in action. Five for 56 and a touchdown. That's 16.6 points for Henry. Pair of kickers tied atop the list. Jake Elliott and Nick, Nick Folk each with 17 points. And the Cowboys defense ran wild over the Giants. Seven sacks, two picks, a fumble recovery, two touchdowns, 35 points for the guys with the stars on their helmet. So let's talk some top performers. Tua Tunga-Vailoa, you and I thought it could be a high-scoring game. A lot of people thought it wasn't just us. A lot of people thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. But, man, Tua went berserk in week one. Yeah, the third most passing yards ever in a week one game. But what is hilarious is that the top two also involved the Miami Dolphins. It was Brady against them and then Dan Marino. But this is something that me and you spend a lot of time talking about in the preseason that if you missed out on a top quarterback, take Tua or, or one of those other high upside quarterbacks and pair them with a safe bet. Because if Tua stays healthy this year, he could be top 10 easily. <coughs> I think top five upside as well. Because all he's got to do, man, is, is throw the ball up and let Tyreek Hill do his thing. That's it. Just throw the ball in the direction of Tyreek Hill, and a lot of times things will take care of themselves. And that's even before you get into, you know, having Jalen Waddle. The fact that you know, they, Raheem Mostert ran a shocking number of routes on on yeah. Sunday, so they have lots of places to go with the football. And and Tua was a guy that you know you said it. We liked as sort of that fringe QB one where he was coming off the board potentially could be a value. And if he ends up. Uh, continuing to play like this, he will be a huge value uh, across the board for fantasy. Meanwhile, Tyreek Hill continues to just be Tyreek Hill. Like, I don't even know what else we can say about him other than, like, he's really good at football. And I was making him the number three pick in a lot of leagues. That might have been too low. He might have had to go one or two based on what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, there's three wide receivers who have a chance of getting 2,000 yards. It's, it's Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. And one thing I was saying all summer was, I don't think there should be a consensus number one. Because I was saying, I think Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, they're all in the same tier to me. And Tyreek Hill, I don't think people remember enough that he was on pace for over 2,000 yards before Tua got hurt last year. The only concern is if Tua can stay healthy or not. But he is so good. I had a team where I lost Deontay Johnson, I had started DeAndre Swift, Mike Williams, a couple of duds. It didn't matter because his 40 points was just too hard to overcome for anyone else. Second most receiving yards ever in week one. Missed the record by two yards. Wow. Uh, yeah, Tyreek Hill, good at football. Also apparently good at football is Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, we kept saying all offseason that Debo Samuel probably wasn't the guy you wanted. You could wait a couple rounds later and get Brandon Ayuk, who led the Niners last year in just about every receiving category. He did the same thing again on Sunday. Eight targets, eight catches, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Really just cooked Patrick Peterson and that Steelers secondary. And right now, look, it's, it's only been one week. I know there's, you know, we're not overreacting to anything, but... I think we're starting to see Ayuk blossom as the true wide receiver one in this 49ers offense right now. And kudos to you, Marcus. You have been on Brandon Ayuk since day one. Um, and yeah, I agree with everything you said. And it's not just the touchdowns and, oh, yeah, like the yardage. It's the fact that they he was their top target. And he's also their best downfield receiver. Like, Debo Samuel almost gets used like a running back in the mm -hmm. passing game. Like, last year, the only receiver who averaged less air yards per target was Rondell Moore. So when the 49ers need to attack downfield, even I'm not talking about deep passes in the intermediate portion of the field as well, Brandon Ayuk is the one that they go to. So I agree. You were able to get their wide receiver one, what, two, three rounds later than you yeah. were able to take Debo and Kittle? 
Yeah, it, it just was. And, and I think you're going to see, as you mentioned, Debo Samuel, kind of that guy who gets you the tough yards. He gets you those yards after the catch. George Kittle is going to be George Kittle, which means he'll be up and down some weeks. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's the one who's going to do a lot of the big play work in this passing game. We had high expectations for Calvin Ridley, and in week one, he lived up to those expectations. Uh, I mean, I, look, I, maybe this is some of the adrenaline of him getting back on the field. Maybe this is who he is. But either way, uh, Florio, 101 yards and a touchdown. I, I'll take that every week from Calvin Ridley. And 11 targets. That's what stands out. 11 targets in a game where Trevor Lawrence threw 32 times. That's a 33% target share doing my rough math. And that's a game where they were playing with the lead in the second half, so they weren't really throwing as much, especially the, the running backs came to life down the stretch. Yeah. So they got away from the pass and started running the ball more. He had like, I think, 84 of his yards in the first half, scored a touchdown. And what I love, he had multiple long catches in this game. So he still doing everything that we, we loved that he could do before the suspension. He is still doing it, playing in a better offense with a better quarterback. League winner, in my opinion, in Calvin Ridley. Very much uh, has league winner potential. Uh, now the, the next thing is, can he do this week after week? with the number of wide receivers they have there in Jacksonville, but he seems to be first in line for targets in this offense. So if there's anybody who can sustain in Jacksonville on a weekly basis, it's probably Calvin Ridley. Anthony Richardson. We liked him because of the rushing upside. Cheat code quarterbacks. And he maybe threw the ball a little bit more effectively than we thought he would. I know I said to not overreact to Michael Pittman's receiving day, and I still think for Anthony Richardson, 223 is, uh, you know, I think that's going to be a great game for him on a weekly basis. But Florio, he gave us the rushing yards. He gave us the rushing touchdowns. That's really all we were sort of banking on with him. Yeah, I'm going to take a humble brag here because I had him as a start last week. A lot of people, even who liked Anthony Richardson, were saying to take a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, me. <laughs> I, I listened to the stardom sit him. I heard the shade that Rank was throwing at me all episode long. But uh, Anthony Richardson, the whole reason I like him, and I'm not saying anything other people aren't saying, is because of the rushing upside. But specifically, he is their goal line runner. And we saw him not only get the rushing touchdown, he almost had a second one, took a big hit. They pulled him from the game because it was late. But... He is clearly going to be used like Jalen Hurts was in Philly, same coach. So I am I, like, I he's a start for me every week now moving forward. If I had known he was going to walk into the stadium wearing that that green suit with the shorts and the oh, bow tie, I didn't see it. oh, you got to find it. You got to go look up Anthony Richardson's fit walking into the stadium. If I had known he was going to wear that into the stadium, I probably would have said start him in all formats. But either way, he gave us what we thought we could get out of him. Uh, he delivered Ooh. in that receipt. Yeah, 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 there it is. There it is. Uh, we got what we thought he could deliver, and so that gives us reason to to be confident in what he can be I, going forward. I did see a video yesterday of Saquon Barkley walking in in his outfit, mm -hmm. and a Giants fan quoted it and said, we're going to lose by 40. <laughs> and, and they lost by 40. <laughs> he was not wrong. Uh, speaking of being disappointed, let's talk about some of the guys who maybe hurt our feelings a little bit in fantasy on Sunday. Jalen Hurts. Near the top of the list, there were a lot of quarterbacks that sort of let us down. We talked about Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Geno Smith is a disappointment. Jalen Hurts, though, too. I felt like even against New England, even against a good New England defense, there are multiple ways for Jalen Hurts to win in fantasy. Twelve and a half points, though. It, it just didn't happen. The Eagles got the win, but it was not a great game for the Philadelphia offense in week one. No, but I'm giving them a pass on this. I, I have a lot of Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown this year, so I was watching this game pretty closely, and the announcers were talking about how Bill Belichick was throwing schemes at them that the announcers had never seen before. Hmm. So it, it is a, a tough defense to face. They, they put all of their resources on that defense. So, But also, 
Like AJ Brown had a 50 yard catch that they took back because he had lost control of the ball. It could have been a better day for Jalen Hurts. It, it, it was the fourth quarter that really, and, and normally that's when Jalen Hurts. Eats, yeah. But that's really <laughs> what it got. That's when he had the fumble uh, that the long catch was taken back. Look, they get the Vikings. You are a hundred percent starting all of your Eagles next week. And you know, it's funny because last year, last couple of years, you would see Jalen Hurts go into the fourth quarter and maybe he's only got 10 or 12 points. And then suddenly he rushes for a bunch of yards. Maybe he gets a couple of rushing touchdowns or two. And then, you know, next thing you know, Jalen Hurts has like 25 points. That part didn't happen because the Eagles had a lead. They clamped down on defense and that was sort of how they got the win. Again, I'm with you. I'm sort of just shaking this off as it's week one. It was a slow start, a better matchup next week. We're not, we're not punting on Jalen Hurts just because he had a rough day. <sighs> Let me just take a deep breath here because we talked about Kyle Pitts and how we're not worried about him yet. Drake London goes in that same boat, though. One target, zero. Desmond Ritter had more catches than, than Drake London in the game. Which is a joke. That This can't be. Arthur Smith, man, like, I, I know that you don't like us fantasy guys. I get it. You spent a high first-round draft pick on Drake London. You did that for a reason. How is it that you're not getting him involved? The same thing goes for Kyle Pitts. How are you not getting him involved? This isn't a fantasy thing. This is just helping your football team win. I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless, Florio. I don't even know what to say about this because this is year two of this now, of them not using guys that are talented offensive weapons. Like, what are they doing in Atlanta? I, I have no idea. Like, you know, we, I felt like we're the anti-Arthur Smith show all year last year. <laughs> And he got credit towards the end of the year for benching Marcus Mariota, which made no sense to me because it took you entirely too long. But I am concerned about Drake London. Like, peek behind the curtain. I've already started my stardom sit him for next week. I have him as a sit uh, because one target, five. he was targeted on 5% of the routes he ran. That was only uh, lower. I'm mean, the only people who were lower than him were Dallas Goddard, Josh Palmer, Isaiah Likely. It's not good. <laughs> not good at all. So, and then... There's Jer Alexander next week and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I I know I'm a big, like, don't overreact to one week. If this happened in the middle of the season, we wouldn't feel this way. But one target for Drake London, I, I, I don't know how you can feel good about that. I don't know how you can feel good about that. And because, mostly because it feels like this is going to be their MO all year long. That, you know, you're going to see games where, where London and Pitts are going to get two targets, three targets, where they aren't going to have a lot of catches, um, you know, that, that Arthur Smith wants to run the football. And it just, it, it boggles the mind because we sit here and we sort of make these analyses and we make these predictions, not strictly based on what we want for our teams, but because it, what's, it's what seems like would be the most effective use yep. of the personnel you have. And so it just, it doesn't make any sense. Then there's T. Higgins. Uh, he also, like Drake London, had zero catches. But he had it on eight targets. I mean, at least at least Joe Burrow was looking in his direction and throwing him the football. They just didn't connect. So at least that makes me feel like, okay, this just was a bad week. This isn't anything long-term to worry about. This just, it just, for whatever reason, just didn't click on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it was bad weather. Uh, kudos to the Browns' defense. They, uh, they dominated. This was Joe Burrow's worst game as a pro. No questions asked about it. Like, every stat he put up, it's the worst he's ever done in a game. But I had to, when I was looking over box scores yesterday, I was like, this has to be an error. There's no way T. Higgins was targeted <laughs> eight times and did not come down with a single ball. But now you're watching now all you're watching targets, it, and, yeah, you and see. you're like, 
That's on Joe Burrow. That's not on T. Higgins. So to me, there's a huge difference between T. Higgins and Drake London, and they both were number five, ironically. But uh, <laughs> I like Drake London, I'm scared on. T. Higgins, I'd be going out and trying to acquire right now. T. Higgins, I'm not at all worried about. Again, eight targets, that means they're looking in his direction. He's getting opportunities. It just, for whatever reason, didn't happen on Sunday. Not worried about that. Drake London, did, very much a different story. Did you see the Jamar Chase quote after the game? About how I, I called them elves and we got beat <laughs> by some elves. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. That was that was really, really funny. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Time to play a little real or mirage. We look back on some of the things that happened on Sunday and decide whether or not they can sustain themselves. So let's start with the Las Vegas Raiders, Jacoby Myers, who in 60 games with the New England Patriots never had two or more touchdowns in a game. One game with the Raiders, he scores two touchdowns, 10 targets, nine catches, 81 yards, a pair of touchdowns, did leave the game in the fourth quarter with a head injury. So real or mirage what we saw out of Jacoby Myers? Look, he's not going to do this every single week, but I think the usage is real. It was so annoying that watching this game, I was like, does Jacoby, uh, does Jimmy G know that that's not Devontae Adams? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think part of it was because the Broncos are very tough secondary, but like Hunter Renfro was on a milk carton. So I yeah. think uh, I think Jacoby Myers is the clear cut number two target. That's the thing is that Jacoby Myers steps in to be the slot guy. And so then you wonder what the role for Hunter Renfro is going to be. We know Devontae Adams is going to get his targets on the outside. So I do think he will have a lot of high target games. Yeah, the two touchdown thing, uh, that's probably a mirage. Tyler Algier, I mean, as excited as we were about Bijan Robinson, and I started to feel this near the end of draft season, that maybe the Bijan hype had gotten a little bit out of control because Tyler Algier was not going to go away. 15 carries, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Also had three catches in 19 yards. Tyler Algier is still very much here. Is this a real? Is this real or a mirage? Unfortunately, I think it's real. Um, especially because he got all of the work inside the 10 yard line. So he is the goal line running back for the the Falcons right now. And kudos to you because I had thought he was someone you want to draft a, as a bench player in case something happened to Bijan. But you were like, no, no, he's going to have a role. And he very much so has a role. He absolutely has a role in this offense. And look, for all our frustrations about how the Falcons are using Drake London and Kyle Pitts, well, that benefits Tyler Algier. If they're going to co continue running the football the way they are, Tyler Algier is going to continue to get opportunities. So again, two touchdowns, obviously that doesn't happen every week. But in terms of being on the field a lot, getting touches, uh, getting carries, getting targets, that I don't think is going to change all year long. Backfield in Los Angeles, Kyron Williams and Cam Akers. It was Williams who did a lot of work. 15 carries, 52 yards, two touchdowns, 17.4 fantasy points. Cam Akers, not as productive, just 29 rushing yards on 22 carries. Yeah, is that real a mirage? It's real. The Ross and, the Ross and Rachel are very much so real. And yeah. He played 33% of the snaps, and that 22 targets – uh, I'm sorry, 22 carries is deceiving because most of them came in the fourth quarter when the Rams were already playing with the lead. And it felt like McVay was like, I got to get Cam Akers involved. So the fantasy people are happy. 
22 carries for 29 yards. Are you kidding me? And next week, they get the 49ers. Yeah. I think you, you sit, pick up Williams, but sit them both. I, you know, I started to believe that Kyron Williams really was worth drafting late near the end of draft season. I was very much on Cam Akers early. I will totally admit that. And then as I started to read more and hear more, it felt like, okay, maybe he's going to have less of a role. I didn't think it was going to just completely switch the way it did. By the way, Kyron Williams ran 26 routes. Same number of routes as Tyler Higby in this wow. game. He is very much – I thought he was going to be a part of the passing game. I, that part didn't surprise me. Um, the fact that he got as many carries as he did, that definitely surprised me. And I do think that is going to be very real in Los Angeles. Zay Flowers, I started to buy into the hype in August. Ten targets, nine catches, 78 yards. The Ravens we talked about weren't necessarily great, but the Zay Flowers, real or mirage? I think this is very real. One, not only was he, him and Odell were getting way more of the snaps than Rashad Bateman, but he was the number one target for this team. And before, I have to check back after the night game, but going into the night game, of all wide receivers who ran at least 20 routes, he had the highest target rate in week one. Mm. So, and, and that's his first NFL game. And what I love is the way they were using him. Like They're like, okay, this kid is amazing with the ball in his hands. If you're watching the video show, you see it there. And they're not asking him to win downfield or do stuff that which he can do. But they're just like, hey, we're just going to put the ball in your hands and let you be Zay Flowers. And that's it was it. amazing. That's it. They're just going to let him be athletic. And that could be enough. I would say based on week one, and obviously it is an incomplete picture, based on week one, it looks like Rashad Bateman might be the odd man out. Odell Beckham was on the field heavily. Zay Flowers was targeted heavily. It was Bateman who was sort of third in the pecking order. So that might be something to pay attention to going forward. But I do believe in Zay Flowers. Last one, Kendrick Bourne. 11 targets, 6 catches, 64 yards, 2 touchdowns. A lot of guys coming out of nowhere with 2 touchdowns in week 1. The Patriots passing game looked decent in week 1. Kendrick Bourne, real or mirage? This production is a mirage. Like, he's not going to be a top 10 wide receiver every single week. But the fact that he could be their top wide receiver in targets, I think, is is real. You know I'm not a, a huge Juju fan. And Juju, yesterday, like, he had a big drop that would have been a first down. And he just kind of, like, trotted off the field. I'm like, the body language just looks like he's there to collect checks right now. I, I, again, it's just one week. It was against a very tough Eagles defense. But Kendrick Bourne is someone that we've seen pop occasionally. But he just needs to get more consistent. I think he could compete to be their number one wide receiver target. That being said, not someone that I'm like trying to force into my lineup. Not forward. forcing him into the lineup. I did. I was sort of forced to start him in a league and that sort of worked, worked out, out for me. He ran twice as many routes as Juju on Sunday. 52 routes for Bourne, 26 for Juju Smith-Schuster. And I know that the knee for Juju might be sort of an issue, so maybe that plays into it. But I do think Kendrick Bourne is going to be a guy they target a lot in this offense. I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be as good every week as he was on Sunday. 316 yards and three touchdowns. So a lot of it came in the second half when the Patriots were playing catch-up, too, so that might be some of it. But Kendrick Bourne, I think, is going to be a guy that should be on rosters, uh, even if you're not starting him every week. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. Be sure to listen tomorrow for all of our top waiver wire targets. Plus, we're hitting up the fan mailbag to answer all of your questions. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. And we'll talk to you again real soon.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 